Welcome back to another episode of the Keisha Covered Podcast. I'm Brent Maycock here with my co-hosts, Mac Moore, Ricky Peterson, and Scott Pask. And this is our uh, bi-weekly show that we do, uh, breaking down high school athletics, what's happened in the last week, uh, what's coming up ahead, and uh, taking a look at activities all across the state. And before we get into that, uh, once again, the intro song you just heard was a beat created by Jacob Mann, a senior at Lewisburg High School. Mann was one of our uh, true blue, cat fed true blue student of the weeks earlier this year uh, after he released the track called take a breath on uh, music streaming services such as apple music and spotify so uh, take a look at that check him check out his work and uh, and you can find the full length to uh, his song but uh, we'll get right into it and we've had a couple a uh, couple of championships held in the past uh, in the past week we had unified bowling um, a couple weeks ago and it was the second annual one. Our uh, first one took place just one year ago, but this year's second year. A lot more schools across the state participated, and uh, they held it at Gage Bowl. And Shawnee Mission East, they were ninth a year ago. They come back this year with a, really only one of their uh, one of their members back, and they uh, they had a great day. They put together a team score of one thousand twenty six, which was a, a career high for the school by well over a hundred pins. Uh, maybe more than 200 pins, and uh, they beat Olathe West, which took second, beat them by 46 pins, and then the combo team from Salina South, Salina Central took third with 934. So a uh, great event. It's growing. Um, a lot more programs are being added across the state, and I expect uh, it to be even better next year. And then we also had a state uh, game day which involved the uh, cheerleading and dance competitions. And Mac, you got to check that out for the first time. A lot of great photos. Uh, those girls are, are definitely uh, photogenic and like that, uh, like like putting on a show. And, and it was a good show to watch, I imagine. Yeah, the, the event center, uh, Stormont Vale event center, uh, the way they have it set up in there, usually we do indoor photos and we're just like, uh well how we're gonna get a good photo but uh that's set up they they make sure that the lighting is all uh perfect for the the stage there and uh yeah the 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 atmosphere gets pretty rocking and you know you would imagine in a a event that size and they're performing what is a, a game day routines that uh normally you have you know your full crowd there you have the action on the field and they they try to find a way to replicate that and, uh, you know, I, I know a few teams have difficulty with it, but then, you know, you see some teams like Rossville, which ended up uh, winning a, a title in both uh, dance and cheer uh, by the end of the, their cheer routine. Uh, I mean, they, you're talking not only their crowd is getting into it and and, and you know, saying all of the, the chants. Then you have the cheerleaders that are from other teams on the side uh, adding in. So. Uh, definitely was a very uh, just raucous environment that, uh, you know, they found a way to uh, make sure that, you know, you're not out there during game day. We're still going to bring the game day atmosphere uh, to that showcase. And, you know, in uh, dance, uh, we had Mill Valley end up getting the, the 6A title, uh, 5A Blue Valley Southwest. 4A Topeka Hayden, uh, and then the 3-1A, as I mentioned, Rossville ended up uh, getting that one. And then on the uh, cheer, uh, Blue Valley came away with the 6A title, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas 5A. Then uh, 
Paola Foray, and that's their back-to-back champions. They were super excited uh, about being able to to pull that off. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Rossville two uh, A, uh, Kara Paraval, and then one uh, A was uh, Canton Galva, and yeah, just uh, phenomenal performances from from beginning to end. And uh, yeah, uh, right now we have some photos up on various social media. But uh, for any of the cheer and dance looking for that, I'll end up getting some uh, bigger galleries for for each one uh, put up here uh, as soon as I can. So be on the lookout for those here in the upcoming uh, days. Yeah, I remember going through the my cheer and dance photos last year, and it took me a while to go through them because you know there were so many good pictures, and whittling it down <laughs> could, could be could be pretty tough. Uh, just so many so many photogenic opportunities at those at, at that type of competition. So uh, a great event, and it was a, a, a big success uh, here last week. Uh, and then Scott, you also uh, before we get into football, you also went out to a big Scholars Bowl uh, event down in Circle last week uh, just tell us a little bit about uh, about how how cool that event was yeah it was a uh, you know there are some big tournaments around the state uh, this was actually an an, an, an first ever or first inaugural event uh, that circle put together and they did it kind of with the theme of the east west challenge and and uh, circles uh, uh, scholars bowl coach uh, les duck sent out uh, uh, invitations across the state it ended up being a pretty uh, central kansas centric uh, event with 30 teams that, uh, you know, the teams as far as East as Hayden and, and as far West as Pratt showed up. And, and, uh, basically it was a, it was a scholars bowl competition that didn't start until late afternoon. And, and, uh, he divided the, the, uh, the teams into East, far East, West and far West pools. They had a, a pool play, uh, the top four teams from each pool went to a 16 team, uh, single elimination bracket and, and some really, Set in, I had a chance to sit in on some matches, and I'm just, you know, I'm kind of a trivia nut myself, and it's just fun to watch. Uh, you know, I'm 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 amazed at the level of knowledge that that's always on display when when uh, you know these kids get together, and and uh, Wichita Collegiate, who is a uh, probably the 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 powerhouse of the state for for Scholars Bowl and has been for a long time, they end up winning it in a just an outstanding match against Wichita Northwest, one that went overtime and. And, uh, you know, we're so used to going to sporting events and seeing drama. And, and uh, here I am just sitting in a science classroom watching this final. And, and uh, you see Wichita Northwest take a little, uh, take an early lead, uh, collegiate come back and, and, and regain the lead. And the Northwest come up, one of their guys came up really clutch, got the thing to overtime. So, you know, you're sitting here with kind of that sporting mentality and, and you realize it's a, it's a really competitive environment and, and those kids get into it. Uh, but uh, congratulations to Wichita Collegiate uh, for winning this thing. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, Bishop Carroll hosts, I think, a 40-team tournament uh, down here. And, and Circle put together a really nice – they didn't even participate in it. They, their, their kids took, took care of the administration, the tournament administration. And, and uh, really a, a well-run event. Uh, you know, maybe uh, a, a first, first-time glitches here and there, but it ended up being a really good event and, and uh, one that I think uh, as, as uh, the word spreads, they're – they probably will have a, a kind of greater participation from across the state, which is their, yep. their end goal for sure. Yeah. That's pretty cool for, uh, for that to get going. So hopefully that'll build and maybe become a very prestigious tournament, uh, as in the years to come. And so, uh, some good stuff happening. And now we got, uh, the weekend we've kind of been building for all fall, you know, we've, we've picked off state championships left and right all along the way. And now we're here, 
here we are, uh, you know, state football championships are just a few days away. We'll have nine con- contested at, at different sites across the state, eight sites for nine championships. The only one being a dual host uh, would be Newton for the eight-man state title games. But uh, it's going to be some uh, some great games. We had some great semifinals last week, but some great championship games on tap. And we'll, we'll start with Class 6A where, you know, Manhattan, you know, they started the season, I think, that kind of sent the shockwave through the state. At the start of the season, Manhattan uh, upset Derby on its home field, Derby's first home loss since 2014, beat them in overtime, and then they just kept on winning. And here they are, they're 12-0 and going into the state championship game, and they will be taking on Gardner-Edgerton uh, out of the east. Gardner-Edgerton knocks off uh, away the Northwest in the semifinals. Uh, that game will be at 1 p.m. at Emporia State University's Welch Stadium, and uh Mac, uh, Gardner-Edgerton, you know, the East was kind of a wild uh, wild West shootout, but wild East shootout, we'll call it. Uh, you know, there were any number of teams that could have advanced out of that, and Gardner-Edgerton's the one that comes out of the East. Yeah, I think uh, once Blue Va- or once uh, Olathe North lost to Blue Valley West, it definitely uh, became clear that that was going to be uh, uh, wide open uh, and, and what's crazy is to, to think that by the time it was done though, Gardner Edgerton gets a, uh, you know, pretty good, uh, you know, stamp of why they deserve to be in the state title game when you get a 56, seven win over Olathe Northwest in the, the state semifinal. So, uh, they're definitely coming in with a, a lot of momentum knocked off, uh, the, the reigning champ blue Valley Northwest, uh, in the second round. Uh, so they're a team that, uh, you know, really excited to be back in there in their, uh, first state final, uh, just the second one, uh, overall in program history. The last one being uh runner up finish in 2009, uh, back in five, a, uh, this team, uh, you know, when you watch them, it, it, not a lot of flash, uh, they, they, have that flex bone offense and uh, are just going to constantly give the ball to, to Dawson Kindler, their junior fullback who uh, he gets things done and he gets them done uh, pretty fast. A, a lot of times you think with an offense like that, they're going to grind a defense slowly, but surely over the game. And he, he, he gets grinding pretty quickly. Like th- those defenses look very tired and upset by the end of the first quarter. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, that's obviously uh something that can you know uh, you get those chains moving you start chewing up clock and you're able to finish off those possessions with touchdowns that can uh take a game where you know uh maybe manhattan in a, a shootout is, is able to to you know really take away with the game later uh but i, I think gardner edgers is definitely going to be about ball control and hoping to to do that the, the key for them i think will be uh Dylan uh, Butosh, uh, this kid, he has 657 yards on the year. I think half of that has been in three of the four playoff games. He's gone over 100 yards. Uh, he's a kid who's dealt with injuries all year. So uh, if, if he's healthy, ready to go, and you pair him up with, with Kindler, uh, that becomes a completely different offense and what they could possibly do against this Manhattan team. So I think that'll be definitely key for them is one, just trying to grind out as much as they can, but if they can get some big plays uh, from their, their second back, then uh, all of a sudden this becomes a really fun contest down in Emporia. 
Yeah, and then looking at Manhattan, you know, it's been even longer since they've been in the state championship game. They haven't played in one since 2001. Uh, they went back-to-back in 2000, 2001, lost to Olathe North and some guy named Darren Sproles uh, back, in those, back in those days. Uh, last state title for Manhattan came in 1988. So it's been a while, and and Manhattan's, you know, they're a program that's been very good under Joe Schartz. They've had several years where they went undefeated in the regular season, and then they just get tripped up in the playoffs. And a lot of times it was Derby doing the tripping up. I think they had lost five straight uh, playoff games to Derby before beating Derby in the semifinals last week, 28-23. You know, a game they got down 13-0 early, but then came back and, and uh, methodically found a way to win. And they're a little bit like Gardner in the fact that, yeah, they're not flashy. They're, they don't really just, you know, wow you with these big plays and these dynamic playmakers all across the field. But, boy, are they solid at just about every position on the field. And Keenan Schartz, their senior quarterback, is just the guy that kind of makes them go. Uh, over 1,000 yards on the season, both rushing and passing this year, and just just has that, that willpower. And, and if you know Joe – uh, he's a pretty determined, straightforward, no nonsense kind of guy, and that's kind of how Keenan plays football. He's a he's pretty much just lines up, and I'm going to do what I can to get my team to victory. And and against a really good schedule this year. I mean, you look at their schedule. They played Derby twice. They played Wichita Northwest twice. They played Hayes. They played Washburn Rural, Junction City. So their their schedule was no joke this year, and they've just answered every every challenge before them. And gone through this thing unscathed, and uh, it's been impressive. They they're very good offensively. I, like I said, defensively, Jackson Vikander, Max Stannard, uh, Dre Delort have been uh, outstanding for those guys in the back in the back seven. Uh, very solid up front. Uh, again, no stars. They just kind of just kind of get it done across the board. So you know, Gardner's never won a state title. Manhattan, it's been more than two. More than two decades since they've won there, so uh, somebody's going to end a drought this weekend in Emporia, and it should be a should be a great game down in Emporia. Um, the Class Five A state championship, uh, boy, this could be the the matchup of matchups across the state, and uh, you know we got a rematch of last year's state championship game, a Maze and Mill Valley, and they're back again this year. Mill Valley going for its fourth straight title. Mays looking for its first straight state title. Mays the undefeated team in this at 12 and 0. Mill Valley uh, one loss to Olathe North. They're 11 and 1. And boy, this just looks like a dandy. And, and Scott, let's start with Mays and uh, and Avery Johnson and this team. Uh, you know, as impressive as any team has been in the state this year. Yeah, it's not a huge surprise that this this is a, a rematch given up the, all the underclassmen that played for both teams last year, especially Mays. Mays. I, you know, just was really a junior-dominated lineup last year, and and uh, you know, it, last year it was the a case of them finally breaking through and getting to that that state title game the first time, and and uh, uh, you know, Mill Valley with the the kind of the gold standard in five A right now, they were waiting for them, and and uh, they were able to disrupt Mays in that in that meeting last year, but the Mays brought so many guys back uh, this year, and and really has. Pretty much rolled through the through the 2022 season. Um, they did have the a thriller with Derby, the 52-51 game that they overcame a, a 20 point deficit to win that. But but Johnson has been, you know, it, it, there's there's been, there have been a lot of eyes on Avery this year, especially with his commitment to Kansas State, and and he hasn't disappointed. Uh, uh, over 2,600 yards passing, 29 touchdowns. Uh, he did throw a second interception uh, last Friday against Hayes that put them. It kind of helped put them in a seven nothing hole early. So 
you know, is one of those things that was a mistake that probably they won't be able to make against Mill Valley. I think uh, last year, Mill Valley, uh, they intercepted Johnson twice in, in that state title game and, and really had Mays on their heels uh, most of that game. Uh, you know, Avery had a long touchdown run that, that got them to 20 to 14 early in the fourth quarter. But but uh, Mays was just never able to get over the hump in that game. So this this is a really intriguing rematch. Uh, you know, in addition to, to Johnson, uh, he's got a great crew, uh, a core of receivers, uh, you know, four guys with with over 400 yards receiving uh, seniors out there on the on the wide side with Justin Stevens and and uh, uh, and uh, Bryce Cahoon, who's a, a Syracuse commit. Uh, in the backfield, they've kind of got the, a two-headed monster with Tavion Williams and Deshaun Carter. And both of those guys were really good in, against against Hayes in a 42-9 victory uh, in the semifinals. So uh, not a huge surprise that Mays is back. Uh, I know they, uh, Coach Gary Guzman told me he expected Mill Valley to be back. and It was just a matter of them taking care of business to get there. And, um, you know, Mays certainly has the personnel uh, to, to get this job to get this done this year, uh, guys with experience, uh, guys who've been on that, that field in Pittsburgh. But, but uh, again, it's, it's one of those things to, to, to be the King, you've got to beat the King and, and uh, uh, Mac has certainly, you've seen Mill Valley that they haven't, they haven't missed a beat here in the 2020, 2022 season either. No, they, it's crazy to, to look at that team. And I mean, uh, I, I guess the the main thing I think will be uh, a key factor is you can look at the uh, points per game, 47.6 for Mill Valley. And I still would describe the offense as just it's the only difference from last year is not quite as explosive, which is a weird thing to say about a team averaging that many points per game. Uh, but it, basically the defense is so quick to get the opposing offense off the field that this mill Valley team uh, has the opportunity to just uh, slowly uh, drive the ball with uh, Hayden Jay running and, uh, you know, passing just enough. And then uh, Tristan Baker out of the backfield has been uh, just really good this year, junior running back with uh, over 1300 yards rushing 20 touchdowns. And uh, by the end of the game, they get up to, 40, 50, 60 points uh, against these teams while not allowing, you know, more than two touchdowns most of the time. Uh, but it, it, those big plays that we saw from them last year after their, uh, you know, top receivers ended up graduating, that's kind of changed it where they, they're they relying a little bit more on the run and any of their pass plays that, you know, go for big yards are usually not the deep bombs. Uh, they they kind of keep it in the pocket a little bit more for Jay this year. And they, they just didn't don't need to be as explosive because that defense has demolished every offense that they've got up against. It doesn't matter. Their one loss this year against Olathe North, they held them to one touchdown. Uh, Olathe North won off of two pick sixes. So, you know, going into this game, ball control for Mill Valley, and they're just going to let that big front, which, uh, you know, uh, they, they have Noah Coy. Uh, with, uh, you know, 78 tackles, uh, Brock Worcester, I'll say his name eventually. That's, that's just me not being able to use my tongue correctly, but, uh, 95 tackles, uh, on the, you know, in the secondary, I mean, I, I was thinking back to, we were trying to talk through potential, uh, top 11, all state players we are going to have. And, uh, I know Britt names two players. Then like in my head, I'm like four or five, six, they're up to 
you know, 11 guys, every starter is, uh, you know, a really talented player. There's no holes on that defense. And so that's what's going to be really interesting is watch Avery Johnson go up against them after last year, you know, having the subpar effort of 248 yards passing, 71 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, a pass touchdown, but those two interceptions, you know, that, that ended up being the, the, the difference uh, for them. If Avery Johnson is having that just baller effort, which I'll compare it to the game I got to watch last year, Blue Valley Northwest, uh, Mikey Pauly just came out and he was the difference maker. Derby did not have an answer for him for the whole first half. And the game was pretty much over by then because he just came out. If Avery Johnson can do that and find a way to do it against a Mill Valley defense that doesn't let anybody else come close to doing that, then that can really change the game. And it, it, it'll just be very interesting to see a guy who, with all the lights on him, Avery Johnson hasn't had a misstep this year. So uh, I have to imagine he's been thinking about this game for an entire year. And it'll be very interesting to see if he can pull that off, particularly against this defense that I, I've watched them just take down really, really good offenses this year and not give them even a, a, you know an inch to breathe at any point in time. So uh, I'm you're going to be in for a, a, a fun one there with uh, those two uh, going at it uh, this weekend. Yeah, I think it's going to be an outstanding game. And I think, I really think it's a, going to be a defensive game. And I think the key could be how, how well does Mays' defense arise up? You know, last week they, they uh, really shut down an explosive Hayes team pretty good. Um, you know, Mill Valley hasn't given up a point in the playoffs. So that speaks to their defense, but you know, can Mays' defense really, put the pressure on Mill Valley's defense to make, to be the, to be the difference in the game, because, you know, I, I think the the X factor obviously is, is Avery Johnson and, and you're, you're going to slow him down, but you're not going to stop him. But can, can Mill Valley slow him down enough? And can Mill Valley's offense do enough against Mays' defense, which is very good at every level. You're talking Caden Miranda, uh, Cody Hughbanks and, and guys, Connor Padgett. I mean, just across the board, their defense Kind of gets overlooked a little bit uh, because the because of Avery Johnson and how good their offense is and yeah they gave up some points in the Derby game but it's Derby and Derby is as explosive as any team out there but I think Mays's defense could really be the X factor in this game and if they can can kind of shut down Mill Valley's offense and put the pressure on Mill Valley's defense to make stop after stop after stop uh, it could get really interesting in 5A and in Class 4A. Uh, that game will be played at uh, Topeka's Hummer Sports Park, and uh, we got two new finalists from last year. Uh, you know, last year it was St. James Academy beating Andover Central. This year, uh, Bishop Miege is back after uh, after two years of not playing in the title game, and then the six previous years before that, they were state champions. They were the kings of 4A before St. James uh, dethroned them for a couple years. Well. Miege is back and uh, looking for another state championship. They have 10 already in their program history, looking for number 11. And and Mac, uh, you got the the barn burner last week with Miege and Aquinas. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the Stags. Well, this is an offense that is just very hard to slow down. Uh, watching them play in, uh, against an Aquinas defense, it's pretty darn good. Uh, it just, every inch you give them, they'll take a mile. And Mac Armstrong at quarterback, uh, has been able to connect with Isaiah Coppage, uh, at wide receiver. 
and those two are a formidable force. And if that wasn't bad enough, like th- that's very hard to stop. Out of the backfield, DeAndre Beasley running the ball is a, just a really fast, strong back who, I mean, he ended up closing out the game for him uh, to, to ice it. They needed six yards to get a first down uh, to it, to be able to run out the clock. And I think he may have got to five yards and had four Aquinas defenders ready to uh, just tear him apart. And he wiggles his way and just every, he knew exactly where that first down marker was. He got them that yard and he does that all the time. And not to mention, you know, if they, in, if a team can uh, find a way to cover Coppage, then uh, th- they have so many other threats. One of them being uh, Dagan Jensen, who, I mean, probably the best uh, catch of the game uh, I saw was, you know, Mac Armstrong throwing it deep down the middle uh, in the end zone, and he throws it over the shoulder of the defender. So the defender's going inside, and he. Armstrong's like, yeah, I'll just go the other direction. Jensen, quick enough to turn, go the other way, and just s- slides into the catch and pulls it in. And I mean, I mean, just a a, a big time catch that you expect from your number one uh, receiving threat, and that's their number two guy. So not an easy team to stop. And then it's not like the defense just gives up points. They are a really talented. Uh, group as well and so they were getting turnovers that then you know ended Aquinas drives very quickly and gave the ball back to to Mac Armstrong and in that group to get to work and so when they start rolling uh, there are very few teams in the state that can slow down this offense and and can stick with them in a shootout. And the team uh, that's going to try to do that in the championship game is a newcomer. First time ever playing in the state title game, Wamigo uh, Red Raiders under coach Weston Moody. Um, like I said, making their first state championship game appearance. And and what a story it's been for Wamigo this year. You know, um, going into the preseason, uh, you know, Hayden Oviat coming off an all-state uh, season last year, a quarterback, uh, undefeated wrestling season, you know, one of the state's top recruits overall. You know, he's the guy that has kind of led Wamigo back to prominence here. And then in preseason practices, he breaks a bone in his foot. He's out eight weeks. And people are like, well, there goes Wamigo's season. Well, nope, that wasn't the case. Uh, Colin Donahue steps up and just has a tremendous senior season at quarterback, uh, taking over for Ovi out there and throws for uh, 2,004 yards this year with 27 touchdowns, only two picks. Uh, his receivers, Chase Cottom and Hagen Johnson, each are over 900 yards with double-digit touchdowns. And uh, Wamigo's defense has just been outstanding this year. It allows 6.9 points per game. And a lot of that uh, really is points. Those points have been scored against second-string second string, uh, team uh, personnel because the first-string defense has just been outstanding. Um, only three teams have scored double digits against them. Uh, Casey Washington in mop-up time, Ulysses mop-up time. And then last week, uh, uh, Wamigo beats McPherson 33-16. They were actually down 16-13 in that game in the third quarter and then came back. Uh, Oviat gets three touchdown runs in the second half. Uh, so he got back five games ago. And the time he's been back, he's rushed for 884 yards and 11 touchdowns. So he's kind of been back there 
not really playing quarterback, just kind of being a, another guy in the backfield. And boy, what an addition at the end of the year. It's like making a making an all-star uh, or a de- baseball deadline trade and picking up a, picking up an all-star caliber player at the deadline who kind of makes a difference down the stretch. And that's what Hayden has done. Uh, has come back and it really has kind of put the team back on his shoulders a little bit and uh, running the ball mostly. But, you know, he's back there. They can play two quarterbacks and, and you have to kind of kind of watch out for both of them. So, you know, Wami goes excited about the chance. You know, they know it's them against them against the world when they're when they're taking on Miege. Uh, it, that's how it's been. The West is, has not been able to really challenge the East very much uh, in Class 4A. The last champion coming from the West was Bueller in 2013. So it's been a while since the West has uh, has really risen up in this 4A classification and and gotten it done. And but you know, in talking with Coach Moody, he said, you know, his players don't care what who they're playing, what who they're going against, anything like that. They're just ready to be there, ready to ready to take on whatever. And and they've answered every challenge this year. And so I think it should be a good game. I think Guamigo's defense has seen some good offenses. They they saw McPherson, they saw Andover Central. Uh, you know, they saw some good offenses here in the last few weeks and have really shut them down. They, you know, in the quarterfinals, they avenged their last year's loss in the playoffs to Andover Central, completely flipping the script. They lose 48 nothing last year. This year they win 42-7. to And they beat a good McPherson team that also was looking to get to the state championship for the first time and and kind of control that game. So I think Wamigo uh, – I think Wamigo can can hang in this game a little bit. Uh, I think their defense is that good at every level. Um, their secondary will be tested like they've never haven't been tested all season. But uh, I think uh, you know I think it's, it's going to be a good game there in Emporia at Hummer Sports Park. And talking about mountains to climb, uh, that's what we have in Class Three A as well. And looking at that, uh, you have Andale Scott, and uh, if if the state has a dynasty right now, uh, you have to say it's Andale. Yeah, you you said Wamigo's taking on the world. Uh, add Holton to that club, I would I would definitely say. And, and uh, you know, first of all, Holton, there's they don't pale in comparison to many programs themselves when it comes to, to tradition and uh, you know the, their eighth state title game appearance. But uh, you know, as as of late, never since Dylan Smith took over the the job at Andale, it's just Andale has just been uh, an absolute monster. Uh, they've won seventy three of seventy five games under Smith uh, since two thousand seventeen. Um, have the fifth uh, fifty game winning streak, uh, uh, the fifth longest in, in state history, uh, after beating Play Center uh, thirty six to nothing last Friday in the in the semifinals, and uh, it's just hard not to get caught up in the numbers with what you know. Andale Andale will not have the greatest individual statistics, and that's because you know they build such big leads in ball games early uh, and turn it over to their reserves for you know pretty much the second half, and have been doing that all season long. Uh, you, you know, the 50-game winning streak is obviously the number that catches your eye. They're going for their fourth straight title. Uh, and, and that – talking with, with uh, Coach Schmidt the other day, what I like about Andel is they embrace that. They're, they're uh, you know, Dylan – a lot of coaches would say winning streak, what winning streak? And, and they don't do that. I mean, they, they're, I think they're proud of, of what they've accomplished and, and uh, uh, they, they know what it's – they know what it takes to, to, to build that and to, to make that happen. Um, but just when you, when you look at them and kind of do a deep dive into their team, you know, defensively, uh, they've only given up, get this 20 points in the last eight games. Pratt's the only team that scored against them. They played Pratt twice, uh, during that stretch. 
Pratt scored 14 the first meeting at six in the second meeting in the playoff meeting. Uh, otherwise, it's been a string of six shutouts during that time. So uh, a dominant defense, uh, you know, with with guys like Riley Marks and, uh, you know, Tegan Orth and uh, Cody Partham. They've got some two-way guys that, that really um, – you know, kind of, kind of make them dominant on that side, and then offensively, they just they're they're really strong in the running game, and and uh, kind of pass it as an afterthought, not as much of an afterthought as Holton with the with the Barta bone, but uh, Wyatt Specksarth has been effective. He, you know, he's thrown for 17 touchdowns uh, this season, so all these guys from Andale have that experience. That you know, they 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 dominated Frontenac last year in the 3A title game, and a lot of those guys are back, and and. Uh, they haven't really missed a beat. It's going to be an incredible challenge for Holton, but but what I do like is the way Holton, uh, you know, Holton has the I think maybe the mental makeup for for taking on this challenge. And and you can speak more to that, Brent. You've seen him play uh, under Coach Barta. To me, this game, you know, the stat that stands out to me: these teams have combined for eight thousand two hundred and eleven rushing yards. Uh, that's that's longer than Brent's four mile run than he went on this morning. That's four point six seven miles of rushing yardage. So uh, this game could be over by two fifteen or two thirty. It's a one p.m. kickoff. Uh, and Brent, what just what do you think of Holton's chances in this one? Yeah, you know, I think if there's a team that has the the makeup to end Andale's streak, it is Holton. I mean, they're a, they're a hard team to prepare for because you can you can watch that Barta Bone on film and study it and and try to figure out the nuances of it. But until you go actually go up against it, it's just such a difficult offense to prepare for, and especially when they have the guys that they have in the backfield there right now. I mean, Matt Lears runs that runs that bone. Maybe as well as any quarterback at Holton since uh, since Dagenhart, uh, the Dagenhart Tyler Dagenhart was just uh, unbelievable at running Holton's offense back and led him to a state title several years ago. I mean, he was just uber quick and just made all the right reads at all the right times. Tyler Dagenhart was like the the be all end all quarterback for Holton's Barta Bone, but Matt Lears isn't far behind. And then the guys behind him, Jace Boswell, uh, Garrison Booth, and Jaden Fletcher. I mean. Each one of those guys is over 700 yards this year. Um, this uh, and uh, you know Garrison Booth leads them with 16, almost 1700 yards. Boswell 728, Fletcher 708, and they just come at you in, in waves and waves with those guys. So much so that they don't, they just don't pass. 29 pass attempts all year. I mean that's that's insane. That's less than three per game. That they three times per game they throw the ball. And the crazy thing on that is they've completed 13 of those, and 11 of the 13 completions are for touchdowns. So when they do pass and they complete it, it's going for a score. So it's it's nuts. And so, you know, I think I think Brooks is confident going into this game just in saying that, you know, us and Andil are we're pretty similar in that we're just so hard to prepare for. And no matter no matter what you see throughout the year, it still doesn't quite get you ready for what you're going to see when you take on either an Andale or a Holton. And the 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 thing that helps is is when they see each other in practice, they kind of see the same thing. So they they see that difficulty. They he calls the the meat grinders. You know, you, they have, nobody really has the meat grinder like those guys. Which when you're going up against each other in practice, you're really, you know, you're really getting uh, tested as well as you can because even the reserves for these teams are just are just ridiculously good. I mean, so you know, it's it's one of those games where I I do expect Andale should win this game and and but I do think that it could be one of those games where they they really have to have to really work hard to get this victory because I think Holton 
you know, they're not going to shy away from what they do. You, you can stop them the first series. You can stop them the second series. But they're going to come back in that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh series and just keep pounding it at you and pounding it at you. And Andale does, hasn't seen a team that pounds it like Holton does. I mean, they've seen some teams that do it really well, obviously. Uh, Clay Center does it well, not as well as Holton. Pratt does it really well. Not as well as Holton. I mean, they just—they haven't seen a team probably as physical and at, with that same mentality as we are. Eventually, going to make that three yards in a cloud of dust become a thirty-yard touchdown run, or you know, we're going to take four or five yards per play and just take it all the way down the end zone that way. So, um, I think uh, it'll be very interesting. You know, I mean, Andale runs into the best passing offense in the in the state two weeks ago and comes up with seven interceptions. So, um, you know, you can't you it's it's not like you could be a one dimensional team against them, but if you're as good at one dimensionally as as Holton is, I think you can. So, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a closer game than some people might anticipate. Just given that Holton has been in this uh, been in this situation, not not necessarily these kids because it's been a while since Holton's played in a state championship game. You have to go you know, all the way back to uh, 2015. So obviously none of these kids were around, but they're, they're around in the community and they're around on the sidelines watching their older brothers or watching, you know, relatives or watching these teams. Cause I mean, that's Holton football has commanded that kind of, of uh, attention from it, in, in its community and, and outside the, around the state, uh, you know, since Marta really got there. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not a program that's going to be scared for sure. And, you know, they faced Nemaha Central in week one. That was their only loss. And that was a really good eye-opener for them and kind of showed them where they needed to be to play at a state championship level. So I think it, I think it should be a very interesting game. And, and uh, it'll be fun fun one down in Hutchinson at 1 p.m. on Saturday. And then speaking of Nemaha Central, uh, they rode that season-opening win over Holton uh, and have gone 12-0 and and reached the Class 2A state championship, which will be the only one uh, pitting undefeated teams against each other. 12-0 Nemaha Central against 12-0 Kingman. That game will be played at 1 p.m. in Salina. And uh, looking at Nemaha Central, um, boy, you know, they, they knew they had some guys coming into the season, but they've really gone out and been impressive. Uh, you know, they beat beat Holton in the season opener and then really didn't have anybody that tested them for uh, for quite a long time until they ran into Sabetho, which is their arch rival, um, they, they see them in the last game of the regular season, get down seven, nothing at halftime, come back, dominate the second half, win 24 to seven, and then cruise, cruise through the playoffs and beat Sabetha again in the, in the semifinals last week, 30 to 14. Again, a game that was really tight at half before Nemo Central pulls away and, and they're just a super physical team. They've got great players up front and that leads to a ground game that's, uh, averaging, 275 yards a game, 3,300 yards on the ground. Cooper Hike uh, carrying the being the bell cow there, 1,882 yards and 38 touchdowns this year. Just a monster breakout season for him. And his younger brother, freshman Carter Hike, has really come on in the playoffs. And uh, he he's now up to 451 yards and five touchdowns. And so uh, they can they can really pound away at you. And then Braden Uphouse has been a solid quarterback for them uh, over a nearly 1,200 yards passing with 10 touchdowns. Uh, their defense, just very solid across the board. You take these guys uh, starring on offense, turn them around on defense. Cooper Hike, their leading tackler. Holden Bass is as good of a lineman as there is in the state. He's just a junior, 
and just a beast up front both ways. Uh, Connor Dieter is another lineman who's been really good. And, and the holes they had from last year, they've plugged well and just been very impressive this year. Um, we've had them ranked number one uh, pretty much since Rossville lost in the, in the season opener. And uh, they've, they've proven every bit uh, as good. You know, they all these seniors this year were freshmen when Nemaha Central won the state title in 2019. All the assistant coaches are back from that 2019 team, even though head coach Warren Seitz moved on over to a program in Missouri. But Michael Glatzik is the new head coach there, took over last year of the program. And uh, he knows the thing about winning state titles too. Won one as a player when he was at Centralia. His dad won four at Centralia. And, and, and you know, Michael's leaned on his dad a little bit, you know, just in, in talking about the nuances of the game. And so, uh, you know, Nemo Central brings a lot of tradition and a lot of experience into this game. But they're going to they're gonna have a heck of a test against a Kingman team that, uh, you know, is trying to put the final touches on a storybook season down there, Scott. Yeah, the Eagles are, are really on a remarkable two-year run. It's one of those that, the, the you know, the, the small town, occasionally these little runs pop up where runs of success where you get a good class that, that comes in. And, and Kingman only has seven seniors, but the, it has been a solid class for them. They got to the state semifinals for the first time in, in 49 years last year and, and lost to Beloit. Uh, this year, they've, you know, a lot of those, lot with all that experience coming back, uh, they've rolled through uh, this season undefeated. Uh, and really, you know, last week may have played one of the maybe the premier state playoff game uh, in the semifinal round last year or last week when they they beat Southeast of Saline. Now their season was really on the brink. I mean, they were uh, that game went overtime. Uh, Kingman had a chance to go up two scores in the early in the fourth quarter and, and passed up a chance to kick a field goal and didn't didn't convert on fourth down. Uh, left them with an eight point lead in Southeast of Saline, uh, unbeaten themselves. Uh, eventually went down and scored, tied the game, forced overtime. Uh, Southeast had the had the lead in, in the first extra period and had Kingman at fourth and six. Uh, Kingman down twenty two to fourteen, facing fourth and six, and and uh, really pulled their season out of the fire with a kind of a hail mary of a six yard pass from from quarterback Nolan Trend to to wide receiver Tristan Davidson. It's one of those you see it on film and it, it's it's one of those you, you know it's going to haunt Southeast of Saline forever because they are so close to to breaking the pass up and then uh, on the two point conversion another talented senior for Kingman Avery Albright took a jet sweep and I he got in on the two point conversion and it had to be by an inch it had to be by an inch so that's that's how close Kingman's uh, uh, run was to ending, but they they have been really solid all season long. They have an outstanding defense. They they're giving up six point eight points per game. Uh, they you know they I saw them up at Beloit in the quarterfinals and they and they really played well. Four four turnovers on defense. Didn't play great on offense, but but that defense just kind of carried the day. And and friend is is uh, you know that do everything quarterback for King many punts. He plays kicks. Uh, he just you watch him play and he, and you see a, a senior leader out there. He really has that that uh, he just carries himself that way. So, uh, you know, Kingman playing his first state title game uh, in 50 years. Uh, they lost a 3A title game to Cape and Mount Carmel back in 1972. So it's been a long time since since Kingman's been here. But uh, with guys like Nolan Friend and, and Avery Albright, uh, Jake Fisher's a good running back for them. Uh, Carter Helm, a junior, uh, outstanding uh, defensive back who's got ten interceptions. So Kingman's Kingman's the complete package. They've they uh, they may not they've, they've got some some guys who aren't real big, but they're just they'll hit you in the mouth. They're they're just those good small classification football players. They're hard nosed kids. 
there's a lot of those guys running around at Kingman and, and Tanner Hegman has done a great job in four years at, at Kingman, uh, a Cheney high school graduate different down the road. Uh, he, he's, he's kind of turned that program around and, and uh, you know, Armed with a great senior class, uh, I think they'll be a formidable uh, opponent for Nemaha Central in the final. Yeah, that should be a great game. That's the one I'll be at covering, uh, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. I've seen some great games uh, at the state state championship the last few years, and I expect that'll be another one. Uh, turning our attention now to Class 1A, which will be played out at Fort Hayes State. Um, we got uh, two teams going for their first state championship ever, uh, St. Mary's Bears at 10-2 and two from the east. And then Inman Teutons, 11 and 1, coming out of the West. And, and Scott, you know, Inman was there a year ago, ran into uh, maybe one of the best defenses uh, the state's seen, especially in the small school uh, classifications in Olpe. Couldn't quite get it done, but uh, they're back this year and, and uh, look like, you know, they're, they're ready to maybe make that next step and break through for a title. Yeah, I talked with Coach Lance Sawyer earlier this week, and, and just uh, I think – the second time around, it's kind of like Mays. Now that they've done it, they've been there, I think there's going to be a comfort level that maybe didn't exist last year. And I think the difference talking with Coach Sawyer is that last year, when November hit, they started losing guys each each week during the playoffs and, and, and really took some injuries that, that uh, uh, maybe – Kept them from getting their putting their best foot forward in that in that title game loss to Olpe. Uh, this year, it's kind of flipped. They uh, they they battled injuries throughout the regular season. Finally, got healthy, got everybody back at full strength for for the playoff game against Oakley, and and have stayed healthy. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a program that's got a just a a stable of great athletes running around right now, uh, and and probably none more important to, to the whole uh, operation than their quarterback Tanner Heckel, who was injured. Uh, uh, injured his shoulder in, in the second game of the season against Sedgwick and, and missed a lot of time. What that did for Inman is allowed them to uh, – their replacement, Josiah Buller, came in and made five starts for them. And, and so right now Inman's in a situation where they've got Heckel back. He's playing well, uh, really played well in last week's semifinals when they avenged their lone loss uh, by defeating Conway Springs 23-6. to So Heckel's back and, and doing everything. He, he's kind of a uh, – uh, utility uh, player for them in addition to quarterback. and uh, But but if something would happen to Heckle, if he would re-injure, they've got a quarterback now with five games of starting experience. So that's a that's not a position that a lot of Class 1A schools, uh, Class 1A programs ever find themselves in. So uh, I, I think Inman goes in with just a higher level of confidence uh, here the second time around. And, and uh, you know, I haven't even mentioned, you know, this, they have – Watching them at the state track meet, you really see what kind of uh, stable of athletes they've got. They've got Harrison Bronk and Eli Bronk and, and Kellen Schrag, and they've got just a, a, a you know for for a, a program that size, a lot of athletes who who are really who are real difference makers, and and they've been really good on defense uh, here down the stretch, and and uh, that with that confidence. You know, if there if there is one edge, it's just that uh, that they do have on St. Mary's. It's just that they've been there recently, and and uh, it should be comfortable comfortable for them. But but I know it'll be a great challenge uh, in St. Mary's. Indeed, St. Mary's has been uh, on a, quite a roll lately. You know, they started the season one and two, but you know, let's take a look at that one and two start. They they beat Rossville in the season opener, which ended Rossville's twenty six game winning streak uh, in that game. Then they turn around and play three A Rock Creek, which made the uh, quarterfinals. Uh, lost to that one, and then lost to Silver Lake, which had a great season, was ranked in 2A most of the year. 
And since then, it's just been one blowout after another after another. I mean, they they rolled through the rest of the regular season, opened the playoffs with an easy win over Jackson Heights, shut down Troy's passing game 26-0, go on the road and beat another team making a drop from 2A to 1A in Pittsburgh St. Mary's Colgan, win that one 36-12. And then last week, they faced number one Centralia, which was undefeated coming in the game, and just dominate them, winning that one 46-16. So St. Mary's is riding as, as much of a high as as you could possibly be going into a, a state championship game. Uh, their first one for the program since 2006. They got three runner-up finishes in their in their program's history, uh, 2006, 1999, and 1983. Um, you know, really for St. Mary's, the story has been Keller Hurla. You know, he's a guy that everybody knows on the basketball court is one of the most prolific scorers in the state. He was a first-team all-class two-way pick last year, led St. Mary's to a runner-up finish at the class two-way state tournament. And uh, he's pretty good on the gridiron as well. I mean, uh, he's just like one of those guys that whatever sport he's in, just call him a gamer because that's what he is. And and just had a huge, huge senior season. Uh, thrown for 2,253 yards and 24 touchdowns and run for 1,178 yards. So you're talking about – nearly 3,500 yards of total offense uh, from Keller Hurla this year. So obviously a lot of what St. Mary's does is going to lean heavily on Keller Hurla being able to do his thing. And and he did it last week. I mean, he, he ran for over 200 yards against Centralia with four touchdowns, uh, threw for over 130 yards in that game as well. So he's capable of doing it against really good defenses because Centralia has a really good defense. But Keller Hurla is just – kind of had one of those seasons that's uh, that's just super special. And uh, so St. Mary's will kind of go as he goes. He's got three receivers that have been very solid, very balanced for him this year. Kaysen Gomez, Abe Huracha, and Nate Hutley. And then the defense has been pretty solid too. James Rezac and, and Howie Rezac lead them in tackles. Uh, and then the defensive backfield's been really good with Hurlip playing both ways, plays back there. Um, St. Mary's just been on a really nice run. You know, they, they – when, when they dropped down from 2A to 1A this year, I think a lot of people thought, hey, this is a team that has a shot at contending for a state title. And I know in, in one rankings out there, they were ranked number one in, in 1A to start the year, even though they were just 5-4 and four last year in 2A. So that's the that's the potential that people saw in St. Mary's this year. And and it took, you know, like I said, kind of had a little tough start uh, against a, good, a really good schedule, but have really shown why there were these high expectations on them. So, you know, they're – they're hungry to get bring home their first state title. Inman's hungry to get its first state title. So that should be a heck of a battle in Hayes on Saturday. And then uh, the only site that will host two state championships, and that's where Ricky Peterson will be for us, and that's the eight-man state championships down in down in Newton. And you'll have uh, the eight-man division two is going to be the 11 a.m. game and then eight-man division one, the 3.30 game. And we'll start with that one first uh, as we work our way down. And this is a rematch of the state championship game a couple of years ago uh, where Little River beat Wichita County in a, just a wild offensive shootout. And, Ricky, I think we have the chance of that happening again this year uh, with Little River and Wichita County. Yeah, I mean, middle of the year, uh, you know, Wichita County, I think, I think they kind of emerged as the clear-cut favorite in that class when they beat defending champion Meade. Um, they won that game comfortably, and since since then, I mean, they've just been they've just been a juggernaut. And um, you know, last week, 
I thought that game might be pretty close against Hill City. Uh, Wichita County was up 16 at halftime, and then they proceeded to score 30 straight points and then ended on the first play in the fourth quarter. Uh, and that's what happens with them. I mean, they're a team that once they get on a roll, it's, it's just hard to stop them because they constantly keep the pressure on. Their offense is so inventive, so explosive, uh, and they onside kick it almost every time. <laughs> So, I mean, you just can't let your guard down against them because they're they're capable of running away with it, and that's what happened last week. Uh, you know, the big thing last week, their defense forces five turnovers, and also, they also got an onside kick. And, you know, you just can't. You just can't turn it over against a, a team like Wichita County or, or you're going to be in trouble. Um, you know, the big thing for them, uh, obviously the offense has been really great, but they their defense has been really, really improved this year, which is impressive because they're, they're constantly facing short fields with, with all those onside kicks. But, um, you know, they got great great playmakers on defense and Cordell Brown and Romeo, Romeo Tariquez, uh, you know, and then – you know, talking about quarterback, uh, Eric Hermosillo is just so fun to watch. I mean, he's got kind of an interesting running style, uh, just really, really patient. And, you know, after the game, he said that he kind of molded his running style off of Le'Veon Bell, and, and it shows because he just kind of – he's really good at waiting for that hole to develop. And then, you know, once – he just needs a little bit of a crease and he's gone. Um, you know, just an incredible senior season for him. Eight, 1,800 yards rushing, 32 touchdowns. Uh, he's got 1,200 yards passing and 24 touchdowns and only two picks. Um, the offense is putting up 62.5 points a game. Uh, like I said, I mean, it's just hard. It's just hard to take the momentum from a, te- a team like that. Uh, and, you know, the cool thing about this game is, you know, it's, it's a rematch of a really incredible game from 2020 when uh when little river won 70 to 58 and i know the guys the guys were cut that was mentioned a little bit they don't have a ton of players that played in that game but uh eric hermosillo did and they got a few others that i think got a little bit of time on defense so that that game's fresh in their minds and uh you know they're they're looking for a chance to get their first title but obviously uh you know, Braxton Lafferty and Little River, uh, they have championship experience themselves, and they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, and talking with Kevin Ayers, he's, you know, I would ask him about how much does the this year's Wichita County team remind him of the one two years ago. He said, a lot, you know. He said, they're really fun to watch on film. And, and then he said, but maybe not so much fun to try to figure out how to stop them. So, uh, you know, as, a, as an eight-man coach, he, he really appreciates – what Wichita County is able to do uh, offensively, defensively, you know, just the way that they attack the game. And, and he, he said it, Hermosillo is as good as there is out there in terms of just setting up his blocks so that he can exploit them for the run. And so, um, yeah, he, he said this, this should be another great championship game. And like you said, Braxton Lafferty and, uh, and Grant Stevens and Braden Young, those guys were on that championship team that won a few years ago now they were kind of compliments to some guy named Jaden Garrison who was just a monster in that game and had a monster uh athletic career at Little River not just in football basketball all-stater as well but uh you know Little River is one of those teams that that they just adapt to whatever they need to if, if it needs to be a shootout hey we, we can play a shootout if it needs to be a defensive game we can be a de- we can play a defensive game and just look at their last two playoff victories you know two weeks ago they go up against chase county and mitch budkey 
and it's just a heavyweight boxing match. You know, both teams blow for blow for blow for blow, and Little River pulls that one out 48-40 to 40 in a just a great game. And then last week, they go up against Burling game. You figure, okay, this is probably going to be the same type of game. Burling game um, had beaten Chase County. Uh, that was kind of a defensive game, so maybe this will be more of a defensive slugfest. Well, it was a defensive slugfest on Little River's part. They just came out and, and manhandled Burling game, beat them 48 to nothing, and that one's like, ooh, I, I didn't see that one coming. I thought that was going to be a really uh, hotly contested, tight game, kind of like the week before, but Little River kind of just put the pedal down and never really let Burling game get going, and so... Uh, that's a big momentum boost going into the title game. Are they going to shut down Wichita County? No, nobody is going to shut down Wichita County. It just it just can't be done. But can they outscore Wichita County? Well, I think I think they've got a shot. You know, I mean, they've got an offense that that kind of matches up pretty well. They they really like to run the ball with Lafferty being their being their horse, horse fifteen hundred yards, thirty touchdowns. Uh, Stevens runs the ball as kind of a H-back, tight end, fullback, hybrid type. The quarterback, Rylan Conan, can run the ball. And then Braden Young on the on the end of the receiver is capable of running those jet sweeps and, and getting some runs. And then they throw it a little bit with not only Conan, but Lafferty will step back and complete some passes as well. And, and defensively, uh, Lafferty is just awesome. 106 tackles. Grant Stevens has 33 tackles for losses and 20 sacks. I mean, that's just mind-boggling numbers right there. I mean, those are just incredible numbers. So, you know, I think I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I don't think the defenses will be able to stop the other team. It's just going to be who can maybe get one or two stops or one or two key turnovers that really turn this thing. And and uh, I think you're in for an entertaining game. And if that Holton-Andale game is going to get over in about an hour and a half, this one might last about three or four hours because <laughs> you, you might be going, you might be reaching into into Sunday with this one. Uh, but uh, so uh, you're, you're, fans fans will get their money's worth in Newton, and especially if they uh, if they can go to the first game there, the eight man two division con- division two contest, in which we'll see Axtell against. Thunder Ridge, and this is a rematch of last year's semifinal games where they were actually. Somehow, Axel and Thunder Ridge on the same side of the state, even though uh, Kensington seems pretty far west. But uh, they were on the east side last last year, and uh, Axel beat them forty eight to nothing last year, and and that was saying something because Thunder Ridge has some dudes, uh, the Bice brothers, Dylan and Dalton Bice, and Josh Ferguson, and and guys like that. And Axel just went out and just just took it to them and. That's kind of what Axel's done. I mean, they just go out and they're as efficient as any team in the state. And then last week, it was it was the battle I expected. I went up to Axel versus Canton Galva for the state semifinals, number one versus number two all season long. It was the game that at, as soon as Canton Galva dropped down from from Division One to Division Two, we're like Axel versus Canton Galva. It's going to happen. Where's it going to happen, and how can I get there to watch it? Because we just knew it was going to be a battle for the for uh, for the supremacy in Division Two, and it was it lived up to everything last week. I mean, it was such a good game. Axel comes out, kind of gets control early. Canton Galva comes back, they get control, uh, they score early in the second half, take the lead. Axel comes back, gets a couple touchdowns, and and really Axel's offense looked like they weren't going to be stopped. They had the one fumble that really cost them. Uh, early in the half, second half, but Canton Galva really never stopped them. And then when Axel was needing to needing to put the game away, 
they couldn't do it offensively. They they drove down the red zone twice and couldn't convert on fourth downs and gave the ball back to Canton Gallo. The Axel's defense comes up big. Uh, a scoreless fourth quarter, uh, surprisingly, in that game with Isaac Detweiler, their do-everything quarterback, uh, linebacker for Axel, gets an interception on the on the last series for Canton Galva, that, and then their offense seals it away, 36-32 victory. So Axel comes in 12-0 and and just – but just as good as a team as there is, 710 points per, points on the season, which only trails Wichita County, 59.2 per game. Um, just unbelievable. Isaac Detweiler's thrown for nearly 1,900 yards, 38 touchdowns, one interception, uh, completes over 70% of his passes. He's got playmakers around him and Brandon Schmelzel and Eli Brockstroman and Landon Schmitz and Grady Busing and just uh, – just, just, playmakers all over and and they're really they're really kind of young uh Detweiler and Owen Strothman and Evan Bussing are seniors but other than that their guys are young Schmelzel and Broxman are junior are sophomores Schmitz is a freshman some of their key linemen are juniors so this is a, a program that has some staying power and if they can win this year they'd be back-to-back undefeated state championships for Axtell and uh would really kind of signal them as the uh the big program in division two right now, but I think Thunder Ridge is going to give them a better game than, than they did last year. And Ricky, you, you saw Thunder Ridge uh, beat Victoria a couple weeks ago and, and they are certainly a team that has some weapons capable of, of knocking off Axel. Yeah. Thunder Ridge is a team that's really been peaking at the right time. Uh, you know, an impressive 58, 12 week over previous win over previously unbeaten Dighton. Uh, last week and then uh, you know in the quarterfinals they put up uh, 60 some points against Victoria which is which is really hard to do because Victoria has an incredible defense so uh, you know just a team that's really looking good at you know at the right time Uh, Dylan Bice their quarterback he's had an incredible year and I think he's playing the best football of his career right now Um, well over 200 yards uh, rushing in the last couple game, in each of the last couple games, uh, you know he hasn't he he makes a nice one two punch with his brother Dalton Bice. Um, thing about Victoria is, uh, you know they can be explosive through the pass game, but then they can also put together these methodical drives where they just keep the chains moving and uh, you know and and uh, take up a lot of time. And that if they can do that against Axtell, it might it might give them a chance. But uh, you know an incredible year for them. Uh, you know, kind of an interesting story. Joel Struckoff uh, was a really, really talented uh, eight-man player for Thunder Ridge, uh, led them to an undefeated season in 2011. Uh, you know, he when he took over the program as head coach, they kind of fallen on hard times. They they'd been struggling a little bit, and you could just kind of see that eventually they were going to get it turned around. Um, you know, they've been good the last few years. And then this year they've kind of, I think they've taken that next step and been, been really, really good. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Axtell, Axtell is going to be a really tough test and, you know, Joel knows that, but if, if they're able to come up with some stops or some turnovers and play on offense, like they have the last couple of weeks, I I think they can, I think they can be right there. So, uh, you know, it's just going to be, I think it has a chance to be a really, really good game. Yeah, it should be a very entertaining game and uh, be a good one to watch. 11 a.m. in Newton for the start of that one. So good doubleheader down in Newton this year for eight-player championships. And then for the first time ever, uh, Keisha will award a six-player state championship this year. 
Um, we've had six player in the state for a few years. They've competed in the Wild West Bowl out in Dodge City, and they're going to stay in Dodge City. And but this year there'll be a it'll be a Kesha sanctioned state championship, and uh, we got Cunningham against Ashland. And these two teams started the year against each other, and they'll finish the year against each other. Um, Cunningham taking on Ashland, and you know last year Cunningham finished runner up to Natoma. And this year has just been the dominant program in, in six-player football. And Scott, uh, it looks like they're poised to uh, to add, to complete the run this year. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty remarkable story. You know, much like Thunder Ridge, kind of rebuilding. Uh, Cunningham had to shut down its program after the 2014 season, or at least uh, joined into a cooperative. Uh, they went 0 and 8 in 2013, 0 and 9 uh, in 2014. And, and Coach Lance McGuire was down to nine players and. And uh, you know, he told me we just had to figure out something. It was not going uh, the direction we wanted it to. So they went, they uh, discontinued operating uh, solo and, and went with Kingman for three years as a co-op. One year with Fairfield, uh, was able to restart the program uh, as a six or a six-player program in, in 2019, and, and took their took their lumps in that first season. Uh, their one win was a forfeit victory. Uh, but they quickly turned it around in 2020, won six games, and then, like you said, last year. Uh, made it to the Wild West Bowl, uh, finished nine and one. That lone loss being to uh, Natoma uh, in the in the Wild West Bowl championship. So that 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 loss drove them into the off season, into the in into the start of this year. And and they have you know they beat Ashland thirty eight thirty in that first game, and and have just rolled uh, through the through the regular season. Uh, they've avenged that loss to Natoma twice. They beat them uh, forty seven to nothing early in the season, and. and and then did it again in 65 nothing in the playoffs. So uh, it's when you look at them, it's they are the essence of a six-player football team. You know that 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 style of game where every player is eligible. They've got guys who, uh, like Luke McGuire, who's ran run for 13 t- rushing touchdowns, uh, passed for nine. He's caught three for for touchdowns. Uh, he's got four interceptions. Uh, you know, one fumble recovery. That that it's that team is full of players who who kind of capture the essence of, of, of six player football and that they, they can beat you in a, in a multitude of ways. And, and uh, McGuire with his statistics kind of personifies that uh, Trey DeWeese is a, is another uh, solid player for them. He's passed for 1,052 yards and 28 touchdowns. Uh, Luke McGuire's thrown, like I said, for nine touchdowns and 567 yards. Uh, senior late Halderson is another, uh, outstanding player for them. Uh, he's caught 11 touchdown passes and and uh, uh, is one of those. They've had three seniors who have who've been uh, part of this uh, revitalization of the Cunningham program. And and I know they they'd be really uh, excited and eager to go out with the state title, uh, you know, because they started they were they were part of that group that, that took took the lumps back in 2019. Uh, when when Cunningham was trying to figure out how six player football worked and and that was fun to talk with Coach McGuire about yesterday and uh, you know he's got a word that he kind of applies to it it's a, he says the game is addictive the six the six player game just with its uh, variety of of uh, ways that it's played it's become an addiction for him to learn how to to operate in in that environment and he's really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, he had a, a college roommate uh, from Stafford whose season, you know, their season was over, and the college roommate came out and watched a, a playoff game recently, and and uh, he was telling me just how how people who see that that style, the six player game for the first time, are just blown away by the the wide openness of it, and and uh, Cunningham, the Wildcats have been have been outstanding at it here the last couple seasons, and and 
but it, it doesn't look like it'll be, you know, it's certainly based on that week one score against Ashland, uh, Ricky. Uh, I don't I don't think it's etched in stone that they're going to win this title. Ashland, Ashland should have something to say about that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the thing about six player is, you know, sometimes it does lend itself to blowouts. And we've, we've, we've seen that uh, this year, but I don't think we'll, I think we'll see a pretty close game. Uh, you know, ever since that week one game where Cunningham won 38, 30, I mean, it's just kind of seemed like these two teams were on a collision course. Obviously Cunningham has been incredible, but Ashland's been pretty darn good to pretty darn good too. I mean, they really handled a really good Shylin team that, uh, you know, I thought could give them a close game. Uh, big thing with Ashland is they've had, they have a tremendous junior class and um, they've really been boosted by the return of Kale Harris, who, uh, who I'm writing about uh, for true blue uh, today. Uh, you know, he saw both his freshman and sophomore seasons cut, cut short by uh, ACL tears. And he's really come back with a, with a vengeance this year. Uh, you know, had had seven touchdowns last week. Uh, just a really, really good player. Um, you know, other key players for them are uh, Britt Grigsby, who handles most of their passing duties, and uh, Lathan and Landon McPhail are really good, really good athletes too. But uh, you know, the it's you know it's just a real exciting time for six-player football. Obviously, you know the six-player football community has been looking forward to this year for for a, for a long time, and you know I think it's really helped a lot of a lot of programs stay stay afloat. Um, and go. I think. You know, I think, and I think this will be a good cap for it because I, I really do think it'll be a, a really, really competitive game, and uh, you know, just a just a fun time to to see the the six player football really take off. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a you know it's a great addition to the to the uh, state lineup, and so we got a we got a great weekend coming up Saturday. It'd be it'd be great if we could uh, we could be at multiple or fewer sites and see more multiple games. Uh, you know, maybe that's something down the road that, that will be explored. But, uh, you know, for any any fan, there's a opportunity somewhere near you to, to catch a state championship game this weekend. And they all should offer something to see, whether it's uh, whether it's history being made at, at a site or just the quality of level of the game. Um, it, there's going to be some good football coming up on Saturday. So 6A in Emporia, 5A in Pittsburgh, 4A in Topeka, 3A in Hutchinson, 2A in Salina, 1A in Hayes. And all those are 1 p.m. starts. We got 8-player in Newton, 11 a.m. for Division Two, and 3.30 p.m. for Division One, and then 6-player in Dodge City. So uh, we'll, we'll recap these state championships on our next podcast, which will come up in a couple weeks. And at that time, we'll be already – Starting the winter sports season with uh, swimming, boys swimming, uh, boys and girls wrestling, and boys and girls basketball getting started um, in in a week, about a week and a half from today. So uh, we're already, we don't get much break between the end of football and the start of basketball. We go right into the winter sports and then um, there's going to be some great winter sports coming up this year that we'll get to get to talk about a little bit, but uh, we'll recap football and uh, maybe talk a little bit of all state stuff uh, in our next podcast. So thanks for tuning in um, for my colleagues, Mac Moore, Scott Pack, and Ricky Peterson. Have a happy holiday weekend. Uh, be safe and enjoy state football. <laughs>